Let's go. Ready? Mm -hmm. <laughs> ready? Oh. Yes. Oh, don't pull the glasses over. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready to go. You're on. We're set up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Off the Lip Radio Show. And I've been blessed to uh, be invited, actually invited myself. Of course you did. I invited myself. Oh, thanks for the aqua. Down here with my good friend and uh, true legend. Not too many people are called legends, but this gentleman, as far as I'm concerned, is a true legend. And he is. Huh? What do you right, think? I'm going to be getting one of those shirts. I'll, I'll be a legend. You're going to get one of those shirts. shirts. The only shirts. Uh, my dear friend, Mr. Chris Brodish. Now, Chris Brodish is uh, in a short, in a short, in a short little take is the 2009. 10. No, it was 9. 10. Was it 10? Was it 9 or 10? Was it both? Definitely 10. 2010 Mavericks champion. And who uh, in 2017, even inspired the fact that I called him and said, what the, hell you hell, what the hell do you think you're doing? Before he went on this journey, and he didn't pay attention to what I said. And he actually did a, a solo unassisted crossing of the Atlantic Ocean. In spite of me telling you. On what? What? On a paddleboard. Oh, that detail. <laughs> that detail. Are you going to have the microphone down there or are you going to hold it up to your mouth? Is it not one of those levels? Well, you know, we're not Guy Kawasaki. You got the whole thing, you know. This is the, the very, very technical um, uh, off the lift show with uh, Mr. Gilbert. That's right. I'm really excited to have you on, um, on the show today. Thank you very, very much. How are you doing today? You're looking quite hurt. It almost looks I, like you've crossed the Atlantic Ocean on a paddleboard. I look like you, don't I? 93 days was a I look like you in Antigua when you finished Antigua. That's true. Right? A little hairy? I might have been a little bit more skinny, but that's only because I like <laughs> lost half a backstreet boy on my journey. Yeah, you looked a little skinny that day. You looked a little skinny that day. What was the first thing you ate after that? After 93 days alone on the Atlantic Ocean, what was the first, what was the first thing that you'd like, God, what was the first thing you ate? A cheeseburger. <laughs> and then I proceeded to eat a cheeseburger every day for the next three months. Did you really? Well, I'd lost 20% of my entire body mass. So yeah. it's interesting that your body just craves protein. Right. Once I've learned a little bit more that they, you can actually get um, those kind of proteins in plant-based stuff, then I started eating a lot more plant-based and pea-based right. proteins. But yeah, interesting that you, your body always, always tell you what you need, but um, right. we, we often don't, either don't listen or we think that we know better. Right. Now this show today, I want to talk about. I want to talk about um, with him and um, his. He, you've been doing a lot of Facebook, a lot of Facebook videos in regards to what you went through, and uh, coupled with what people are going through with today's uh, pandemic and and situation that people are stuck, you know, having to stay at home. And that's part of. Is this part of the ten tools for isolation, lockdown, success? Yeah, so uh, what, I've, what I think, what I, what I realized when we started going into this pandemic, I think that, you know, a lot of people aren't used to change. They aren't used to being isolated. They aren't used to being closed up in small spaces for long periods of time. The, you know, the change of having to work suddenly from home, having work and life and everything else immersed into one. And the, the change and the adversity that we're dealing with and with no sort of set time frame of how it's going to, how it's going to go back to any sort of form of normality. And right. I just realized that through a lot of the stuff that I've, that I've done in my life, whether it be dealing with fear and overcoming adversity and change in big wave surfing, or whether we're stuck in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean for 93 days in a you know, coffin-sized box that I wasn't even as long as I was to be able to sleep in and dealing with 
change in adversity all the time. I was pretty much dealing with exactly the same thing, just on a, a more dramatic level um, in the ocean. So right. I thought I could maybe develop some tools that will help people get through it. And that's what I started to do. Can you talk about those tools? Because we, we, we were asked to stay inside. We were asked to stay put, right, in our houses. And no, and, and no, one, no one was used to that. There was no instructions. There was no... You just had to do it, and perhaps you could, you know, help people. Especially now, we're now in like a second or third month of people getting stuck mm -hmm. inside. Yes, we can exercise a little bit, but how, how, what can you help or say to help people that are inside and not used to it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what I learned from from that journey was that you know a lot of the tools that I sort of take it for granted that I've learned over my journey that seem normal and natural to me are are very seem like they're very unique and even though a lot of them are sort of common sense common sense often isn't common until you have someone actually just just tell you about it and then suddenly you're like oh yeah that makes sense but if you actually if you implement them all and then you you build them into your structure and your and your routine then it makes a dramatic you know impact on what you do and a lot of things you might take for granted like doing exercise i didn't have to think about it because if i didn't do exercise i wasn't going to get across the atlantic um, I was having to paddle like 12 to 15 hours a day and that's not what I'm advising for people but it just is one of those tools to be able to stay positive um, through change and adversity and I think that's what I think what seem to be the most the most common common thread is how to stay positive and right. productive through it all. How, how did you when you're paddling 10 to 15 hours a day right yeah so how, how was there a how did you get through the point where you're like, I don't, you know, like the eighth hour, I can't paddle anymore, I'm done, I, I, I had enough, I can't do anymore today, I can't make that 10th hour or 15th hour. How did you cross that threshold of, of keeping going, especially when you've got no motivation, you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're in the middle of nowhere by yourself, how did you manage to kick your own ass to keep going, as it were? Well, I think that's the first probably the first most critical aspect of it which you said is you know if you don't have motivation you you're not going to go anywhere and then you might as well not start because if you're not motivated by a purpose greater than yourself then you're not going to be able to get through any difficult and cha challenging time and i believe you always need to have an old star like everybody's got to have a either either a purpose or something that that makes them inspired and makes them passionate to get up each day and if you don't have that then that's where you're going to you're going to struggle so for some people that might be their kids it might be a job that they're super passionate about it might be a purpose greater than themselves to be able to give back to a charity or whatever like i'm very fortunate that i have multiple different um, charities that i'm very passionate about that i was doing it for to be able to pay for operations to change little kids lives and right. pay for food or you know all those kind of things and i was doing it for like multiple different reasons so i had a very strong purpose and goal-oriented background that i could always tap into that would keep me inspired to keep on going and i think that's absolutely essential from every different aspect is to to have your north star and have something that keeps you inspired like why do you get up in the morning like what what drives you what what keeps you going it can't, like if you hate what you do you hate your life you hate your job you hate your your relationship because like you need to make some serious changes and a lot of people they'd rather be uncomfortable and in a place that they really don't like then lean into change and lean into fear. But they're used to it. That's what they're used to. Well, yeah. Well, the routine is good, but it's only it's only good if it's if it's positive routine mm. that has a positive impact on your life and on others. So if you're fearful of something like like the the greatest 
greatest challenge for most people is change. People don't like change, but most people don't realize that the only constant in life is change. So if you're not able to lean into change and, and realize that that's the only time when you grow as a human. So if you're not growing and you're not leaning to change constantly, then you're not evolving as a, right. as a human being. And you actually, you're going backwards. And we all want to progress in life. I mean, I, I don't know anyone that doesn't, but we as human beings are hardwired to sort of steer away from change, where that's where your growth happens. That's where your, the magic happens. That's where your greatest potential lies, is beyond your fears and your comfort zone. And that's... How, how can you help somebody who's maybe in a, they're, they're in an apartment by themselves, they're, they're alone, they're, they're stuck inside, and um, needing help, needing some advice? How can you help that person that is alone, based, coupled with, like, in sync, or what, with what you had going on yeah. across, crossing, crossing the Atlantic, alone and by yourself? Yeah, I mean, like everybody, so the, I think the, the 10 tools that, that like sort of happened more by chance than by choice, it was more designed to, to help people just randomly. And then it's also just become a talk that I now do for big businesses all over the world. But I think what, what's important about it is it makes people realize that it's all about how to stay positive through, through this change and challenge. And the, the keys to trying to stay positive when you are in isolation and you by yourself is to not go into a negative space. And a lot of people don't realize that when they go into a negative space, they can pull themselves out. But how do you do that when you're alone and you don't have connection? Do you do so, so the most, the, I always say the most valuable tool for me, and I go through this as well, I use gratitude as one of the most powerful grounding tools that brings you back into a more positive space. So when I talk about gratitude, people are like, oh, what do you mean you talk about gratitude? Uh, attitude of gratitude is a great example. Okay? So it's all about reminding yourself all the things, all the things you do have and not take for granted all the things you don't have. So anytime you get into a negative space, just ask yourself like a couple of really important questions, which are, what should I be thankful for today and why? Like, how fortunate am I? And there's a great little saying called, as the world turns, that, that summarizes really nicely. And it says, if you go to bed at night with a roof over your head and you have your health, and you have your well-being and you have people around you whether it be in your house or that you know that love you and you wake up in the morning and you can get out of bed and you have arms and legs at work and you go downstairs and you open the fridge and there's food and you eat something out of the food and then you get onto one of your devices whether it be a computer or your 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 phone oh. that's communication and then you walk to to outside your house and you get into a car on a bike which is transport and then you go to your work or whatever, you get on your device and you're speaking to someone, that's, that's work, which brings in money. And if you have a little bit of spare change in your pocket, that's extra capital, mm -hmm. which most people don't have. And if you can do that and you've never been in famine, you've never been in war and you have food, you are more well off than 94% of the people on the planet today. And if that isn't enough to be able to bring you into a sense of being a main sense of gratitude, then there's really no hope for you. Right. Like, so you've just got to remind yourself that you're very fortunate just to be able to wake up with arms and legs and everything that works right. and have a roof over your head is blessing. is a blessing and that should put you back into a positive yeah. space and then it's a combination of like multiple other things which are you know you can either be a you know it's all about mindset so then it's a mindset and attitude which is are you do you have like a, a growth mindset or a fixed mindset like right. a, are you a pessimist or an optimist and not, none of those things are by chance they're by choice practice and consistency right and most people think oh if someone's really positive they think oh well they just were born that way 
They were never born that way. Right. That was by choice and by practice and consistency. And when you know that there's so much negativity in the world, why on earth would you ever wake up and think to yourself, well, you know, that you're going to be negative towards any situation. So anytime you react to something, you have the ability to be able to catch yourself and respond in whatever manner you decide. Why on earth would you ever choose to see anything negatively when you know the results and the outcome and the actions that come from that are going to be negative if you respond in that manner? Do you read the news? No, not really much, no. No? You watch the news on the internet or follow what's going on? I follow it very, very briefly and right. I choose to to... I choose to decide what I right. allow yeah, in. Yeah. And that, I think that's one of the other tools that we talk about is, is um, letting go of what I call the neg, and the neg is the negative. So right. we all have the ability to also choose, manage, minimize, and mitigate the amount of negativity we allow into our world because whatever we allow into our thoughts become uh, like a seed and it grows and right. it manifests. So you, you should be choosing not only the news that you look at, the people you speak to, the people you allow into your space, into your world, and into your thoughts. And that's that's incredible. And most people don't, they don't think like that. Like, why on earth would you surround yourself with negative things, negative media, negative people, because you are a reflection of the company you keep and the company you keep, and the thoughts and the, the stimuli that comes in affects your mental state. Right. So, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I like to go a different yeah, direction, sure. a little bit, a little bit. When you, for first time I show, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I think probably one of the best stories of, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people, mm -hmm. talked to a lot of people, and it's all, everyone's wonderful except one lunatic. Um, <laughs> the story of how you, you, that whole story of being in South Africa with like 32, you know, 25 bucks in your pocket and how you won Mavericks is, is you should either read about it in your book you're stoked. Which you're stoked, way. right? The book, the book called the book Stoked. You should go back and listen to Arthur Arthur Radio Show podcast because I never forget TC, who my co-host. TC can talk, but just to have not TC not to talk and to listen about that when you told that story, we were both with our mouths like, just like a jaw going, "Oh my God, how did the heck, how did the heck did you do that?" That story of how you won, how you from the from the twenty five dollars in your pocket in South Africa to winning that winning that contest is truly truly remarkable. Well, I think it wasn't even like I had twenty five dollars. Was it twenty? Was it, was it less? No, it wasn't even that. Like I was overdrawn on every single one of my cards, every single one of my bank accounts to like the limit of what it could be, and then I still I had twenty five bucks, but that was all that I had, and I I borrowed money at the airport from multiple different people and friends and brothers to be able to pay for the ticket. I wouldn't to get any money. Back. I wouldn't get it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just, you know, I find like that amazing. And I think a lot of people see see signs like like when their roadblocks in their path or their challenges that they face with, they see that as signs to not continue. And I, I, I try and flip everything onto its head and turn a positive into a negative into a positive. So every single thing, like some people see fear or or uh, change as a roadblock to not proceed forward because it puts you into paralyzed state or to, as a sign that I shouldn't move forward. I just see those as, as that are put in your way as a test to see how badly you want something. How, how, how bad is your resolve in order to still move forward? And it's just a matter of like, I believe that the world is there to test you and to test your resolve to, to see that you're gonna prove how badly you want it over right. and above what everyone else would go to, the lengths that you would go to. When to you, when you, when you flew all the way, yeah. all those different Amsterdam and to Dallas and all, 
Well, why didn't right. you know the event was on when I when I right. got on that flight? So right. But did you think did you did you during those during those flights or even that maybe Amsterdam Airport yelling at a you know yelling at some poor you know airport attendant to get you on the plane? Did you think about what in the hell am I doing? I, I may just I may just catch one wave or I may just make the first heat. Or did you always think that when you got there you're gonna have a chance at winning it? Well, I think that's a great question, but I think it even goes deeper than that because I remember flying out. When, so when I, I finally got to pay for the ticket while I was standing at How the airport. How did you pay for that ticket? Through my one brother and two of my friends that I combined on the phone, three of them to put money like directly into one bank account to be able to pay for the ticket within an hour and a half while I was standing there when there was only one seat left on the flight that I could possibly get. And the flight was closing and it all needed to happen like within an hour. And I didn't even know if the event was going to run. So I got on the flight without knowing the event was going to run because they were late in making the call. But that was the only flight that was going to get me there in time before the event was going to run if I left right in that moment. And I still didn't know if the event was on. So it was like I was putting and I was borrowing more money. I was up to the, like my hilt in, in debt. And I, when I was flying over between Cape Town and Amsterdam in that first or the second leg, I realized in that moment that if I arrived in Amsterdam and found out that they'd called the event off and it wasn't going to run, you, I didn't even have enough money in my $25 to change my ticket to fly home. Like that's, and I, and I guess that's like, that's for me is a great example of what I call all in. And people use the term all in very loosely. People have no idea what all in really means. And I know because I've done this multiple times. And the reason why I'm so passionate about that concept is because it's actually, it's actually, a, it's a very powerful state. It's called a monk state, which is a makrish state, which means that you give up everything that you, that you believe in, like everything you, that's for your life or what you believe in. Yeah. And when you are in that space, it puts you in a very powerful space to be able to go forward because you know that you, you've got nowhere else to go and there's no turning back. There's no, there's no, like, there's no, there's no exit strategy. Like you go forward and you make it work, otherwise you lose everything. Get to the airport in San Francisco. Jeff Clark picks you up. You got no wet. Your wetsuit doesn't arrive. Your boards don't arrive. Yeah. That, that journey, that journey from San Francisco Airport to Harpoon Bay, you're exhausted, eating no, no food, eating, right? Morning, yeah. Right. No sleep. No I literally food. Literally had like the shirt on my back. I was still in flip flops. Did no clothes. Nothing. He tells you the events on. Events on. And then what did you starting think? in like three hours time, I have no equipment, no did you, board. No did you know that you had, did you know that you had to do well in the contest in order to make some money to get home? Uh, was that was yeah. that something you thought about? Yeah, like I had to I had to progress like past like for me everything's about like so again like some of the stuff I talk about in, in, in the talks that I do is it's about like breaking things down into bite-sized chunks that don't seem like overwhelming for your mental state to be able to comprehend. So you break things down just to compartmentalize it and you just focus on what's in front of you. Is your mind compartmentalized? Yeah, is your mind like that? It's like that it's, you have a conversation with Jeff Clark over yeah. here, but in your mind, your mind's working its yes. own little session yeah. going, I need to get there, I'm gonna go surf, I'm gonna paddle, and it, 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 what happens in, it's what happens inside Chris Burdish. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, it's like, Goal number one, which felt like the amazing race, getting to America before the event was going to run. Finding out that the event was on once I got onto the second flight. Okay, you've on the flight, which is going to get you there. There are four connections. Like you have to make every single one of those connections. Otherwise, you miss the event. If the event is going to be on, arrive in Amsterdam. Okay, 
while I was in the air, they called Irvin on. Okay, check, box, what? one, right. done. Okay, now I need to make every single one of those connections. Nearly missed the third connection because Dallas was, was getting hit by the storm that was getting hit on the West Coast, which they were closing down the airport. And a lot of flights are getting canceled. Right. Get through that, which was like a part of like incredible part of that story, as you know, which people can read about in the book and the, and the film and stuff. But then check that box too. Get to San Francisco, check box three, three o'clock in the morning. Finding out none of my equipment, my hand luggage, my boards, my wetsuits, my, my, um, everything that didn't arrive. Okay, back, back, you know, going backwards again. So now you're like another obstacle. You feel like you're going backwards. Okay, then you like get someone to pick you up like at the airport and get you there, get, get to, to Jeff's house, figure out, okay, equipment, get equipment, borrow some stuff from Jeff, make that all happen. Um, and then literally try and get some sleep, hour and a half sleep. Check. Okay, go down to the beach. Get into the first seat. Get into the first seat. Check. Put the put the vest over my head. And wow, I'm in the Mavericks event. I've been dreaming of this. I've been working How'd for that feel? for ten years. I've been working. And when I put that like vest on in the water, it was like this massive relief. But it was almost like I'd won the event before I'd even begun. Like just getting to that point of sitting in the water and putting a vest on, on borrowed equipment after traveling for 42 hours in a, like in the biggest ways in the history of the sport at that time was just, an, like that was just, I felt like I'd won already. Had you trained for that, have you, had you trained for the event? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know me well, that's right. a rhetorical question. So right. like, yeah, I've but, like, but when you yeah. got, but the wetsuit, once you, I mean, that, that training you had, um, you're exhausted, right? Yeah, so, so I think. So did you dig? Did you did you dig somewhere inside Chris Burdish that has never been dug? Hasn't that, that had never been found before? Did something come out of you that like, man, I got this is a this is my sixth gear. So so I love that question for multiple different reasons because I always believe that you you've got to dig really deep to be able to to do things that normally you wouldn't ever be able to achieve. And sometimes in life you only might get a one opportunity. And as a South African coming from my environment and no sponsorship and everything on the line for what you believe in that's when like you kick into the underdog and like you've put everything on the line to be able to make it happen so you've got to make it happen no matter what and and no matter what happens like this is your only one chance so it's like nothing's on a golden platter you make it work and you do the best you can and you dig like a deeper than you've ever dug before dug before to be able to make it happen because that's your your first and only and probably last chance you're going to get right. to make it happen over and above that then you go into the the background of it and you think okay well are you fit and are you ready well i've been training for 10 years for that wave like i hadn't gone to Hawaii, which was easier and and try to get into the eddy because i believe that that was the the mavericks event was where you really got chosen on your credentials by proving yourself year in year out and going deeper harder and later than anyone else to be able to make that cut and then over and above that i surfed and trained mavericks in every type of condition the worst possible conditions that you can surf mavericks i used to surf with rainy stormy cloudy misty by myself onshore offshore on all different types of equipment and i'd used a lot of jeff's jeff's boards jeff's shape so even though i wasn't using my board i was using one of my his templates, which was one of my templates. So even though I hadn't used that board, I was I was more familiar with very difficult, challenging conditions out of Mavericks than I believe any other surfer in that event because I trained for worst case scenario and every single changing, difficult, challenging environment. And I think 
That's what really people don't get is that the amount of planning and preparation that goes into pre pre-event over the years before so that when the conditions are difficult and challenging and most guys go out and surf big waves, the really good big wave riders, they go and surf when the conditions are good and only when the conditions are good. Right. So when so it's that, challenging, you're ready for it. You know? were you, so that first, that, that, that first wave that you caught, mm. were well, you, were you, I mean, had you seen, had you, first of all, have you, you, you seen it that big out there previously? No. And that first wave you caught, you fell. Mm. So two, we, 2010 was sort of the, still to this day, it's one of the biggest days in competitive surfing paddle in history. And um, it was an anomaly day. Like no one had ever seen waves that big and had paddle surfed in that environment. And this was pre-vest. So this was the year before. Before the vest. Actually, it wasn't the year before. This was the year that the vest got invented because Dorian. of the day after when Shane Dorian nearly drowned. And that's when the, the, the inflation vest. So this was pre-vest. So everybody was super like, I believe in in um, I believe in making sure that you are, are super fit. So I like to develop my own um, training regime, which got me into a state which I almost felt like I was invincible. And at that at that time in two thousand ten, I don't think there was anyone else that was doing the kind of training that I was doing to be ready. Because I believe that physical fitness breeds mental confidence. I think the only person that was probably in that physical state was Mark Healy because he's a, one of the top freedivers in in the world. Um, and that's what he does when he spears. So, but I developed that that routine and that six month program for myself, which mimicked worst case scenarios. And I was ready for that day. And in that first fifteen minutes of the heat, we got caught inside by probably the biggest wave I've still ever seen land in front of me. And we how big was it? Uh, sixty feet plus. Right. And that dragged me, you know, almost a mile underneath the water. And I, I came so close to. You. To drowning that I sort of almost blacked out and I lost the ability to be able to use my arms and legs and, and even the ability to be able to speak. So yeah, it was when you were picked up by that window, bad, bad day, bad day at the office. It was a bad day at the office. Now the bad day at the office turned into the jet ski driver. Did he want to did he want to take you back to the boat to the to the boat? Yeah, the emergency yeah. Right? But you decided I, I, I need to go back. But you were you had no you had no life in your limbs. No, it was barely yeah, could be, you barely speak, limbs, right? Yeah. So what made you want to go back out there? What, what what went off in that? What went off in your mind? Like, you know, was it the fact? Was it monetary? No. Was it was not monetary? Like, I need to make some money to get back home. Or no, it's never it's never about that. It's just like it's about it's about looking at every situation and looking back and saying, okay, if I if I give up now, if I look back in ten years' time, will I regret the decision that I make now? And I try and look at every single decision that I make that in that through, way. Is that what th went through your mind at that moment? Like. Yeah, and I'd like, I, I realized I had nothing left, and if I got caught again, I would, there's no way I'd survive. However, what I, what I did think is that I looked at my watch, and there was still like, I don't know, 15 minutes left in the heat, and there uh, were 20 minutes left in the heat, and I was like, you know what, if I lie here for five minutes and just recoup my energy, maybe after the end of that five minutes, maybe, maybe I'll be able to rethink that I can possibly continue on. And then I mustn't feel like, don't focus on winning the heat. Just focus on surviving the heat and getting one more wave to be able to get me through. Because I know another, uh, like only one other person in the heat had got a wave at that point, and I'd got a smaller one, and I knew that all I needed was one more wave and I could get through. But at that state, I didn't feel like I could continue on and I should be going to the boat. But, I, you know, don't make your decisions hastily in the moment. And the the, the key lesson from that is that, and you can apply this to any time in life, and it's often when we, we get angry and we respond out of anger, out of 
Just stop and breathe. Take a, take a space before you make your decision. And the longer you take to respond and make the decision, often the better the decision you make because you assimilate all the right information, right. you process it and you make the right, right decision, not out of emotion or out of fear or out of anger or out of lack or whatever it is, right. and you end up making a better decision. And if I had made that decision right then and there when I got dropped off, my obvious decision, like any other normal human being, would have been to get on the boat right. and call it quits. Right. But once you've called it quits, then it's very difficult then to reprogram your mental state and you've told everybody you've, you've given up and then to change your mind and then to go back into that space. Right. Whereas if you pause, reset, break, and rejuve, then you, you can possibly make a better decision. And that's pretty much what happened. And then, then it wasn't about catching more waves, really. The objective was when I was lying after five minutes, it's like, okay, I'm going to just paddle back out. I'm not going to go and sit where everyone else is sitting. All I want to do is by the end of the heat, I want to paddle back out and get to the back line so I, so I can never look back in 10 years and say I never tried. That was the goal. So I break everything down to little bite-sized chunks. Instead of going, I'm going to go... You're still, checking, to, you're still checking boxes. still checking the boxes, right, yeah. Right. And it's like, I'm not going to... Like, that's not my goal. But it's just breaking it down into, into bite-sized chunks that my mind can compartmentalize and go, I can do that. And then it was just like really about, like, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take me to get back. I'm just going to focus on, just, just take that first stroke. Take that first stroke. Okay, I can take another stroke. And then you get to your back line. You're like, okay, now I'm here. Check off the next box. Okay, let me sit here for another five minutes. Okay, there's five minutes left in the heat. Okay, I don't think another way is going to come. But at least I've got out here and I can never look back and say I never tried. Box checked. Okay, then by random, when you say chance or destiny or whatever, fate. if you've fate or whatever you want to call it, but... You've now done everything in your power to be able to put yourself in a space where fate or destiny or the universe can gift you uh, an opportunity. But if you never get to that point, that opportunity will never arise. If you right. don't push through enough adversity. Don't check the boxes. You're never going to get there. So uh, yeah, got, got to that point and then there was a last set that came in and I was in completely the wrong place. I was almost in the channel because I did, was too scared to be in that zone because I knew I'd die. And then... The last set came in, one guy got one of the ways, I think Tacey got one wave, the two um, other ways went through, and the last wave of the set came at like 30 degrees, different direction, random chance, um, and came directly at me. And I ended up thinking, well, there's no way I can catch it, I don't even have enough strength to paddle for it, and I ended up flopping down and taking one stroke, and it's the only wave in 20 years of big wave surfing that I've ever caught just with one double stroke. Grand like, yeah, like what are the chances of that happening? Right. Yeah. And you go on to win the contest. Yeah, and then it was just like, that was just like, so I got that last wave. And yeah. for me, it wasn't, it wasn't about winning the heat. It was just like, wow, I caught the wave. That's amazing. And I survived. And as I pulled off the wave, the Huta went for the end of the heat. And I was just happy. I, like, I think I was like putting right. my hands above my head because I was celebrating. And that was just about getting through. That was just right. heat one. You right. know? And then I found out that I actually got through the heat. And then it was how to reprogram and reset your mental state to how you just just focus on getting through one well, rest, at a time. The rest of it must have been gravy for you, right? Almost. No, like, no, no, not, not, not at all. Yeah. You, like everything was just about like one step at a time. So right. everyone was like, get through the next heat. Okay, got through to the next heat, then got to the semis. Then I was like, okay, how do I separate myself from everyone else in the semis? See if I can pull into a barrel. Get a pull into a barrel. Don't come out, but get scored really highly in, in the semis by pulling into a barrel. I've always wanted to do that. It's one of the things I've always wanted to do in one of the big wave events. Check that box off. 
that got me by doing that got me into the final got into the final okay objective of the final because the waves got like even bigger now they were like the, the biggest waves that everyone had ever seen and the, the now had gone slightly onshore bumpy so i was actually quite used to those conditions from, from training from training in those kind that kind of environment except for it was just bigger and then my objective and my my goal for the final was just get two waves don't die and that was that was it that was that was like and i pulled out of one which thank god i i didn't I, I got halfway down and then I pulled off the side and if I had have gone, if I had have committed to that, I would have been in serious trouble. So right. yeah. And then the last five minutes of the heat, I got like that one wave where I just hung on and basically made the drop airdrop part of it. And that ended up being the wave that, that won me the Mavericks big wave invitational title. Congratulations. Borrowed boards and off the track for 42 hours and the biggest. That's an amazing story. But then, so then I'm gonna I'm gonna go forward a few years. Yeah. You decide that you want to. Uh, how how soon after? For someone like you who's always got goals ahead of you, how what, how soon after that you won Mavericks in 2010? Did you think start thinking about your next what your next goal might want to be uh, on the ocean? Um, quite, is, a, quite a while because yeah. I was I was at that at that time I think in 2000 and the following year I was competing on. On the big wave world tour at the same time as us also competing on the on the on the stand-up paddleboard um surfing world tour so i was actually doing two world tours across two different sports at the same time right. um which was reasonably challenging and i was juggling a full-time job at the same time so right. um yeah and no like no real sponsorship either so it's, it's pretty interesting yeah. like when did it come to your mind? When did it come to your mind that you go, you know what, I'm going to cross the Atlantic Ocean on a stand-up paddle? The first when was that first inkling or seed sown that I'm going to go? I'm going to. This is something I'm going to. I'm going to challenge was, myself to do. It was a long time after that. So yeah. I I got heavily into stand-up paddleboarding side. I was more on the surf um, side in on stand-up paddleboarding, and then after about three years of that, um, sort of making sort of top ten. Then I started getting into the distance stuff and doing the long distance and then the downwind stuff. And then I started doing the, 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 the distance records. And then I started doing the 12 hour record, 12 hour world record, Guinness world record. Then the 24 hours, as soon as I started getting to the, like the 24 hour and then the five day, seven day. And I think that's what most people miss. They're like, oh, when do you just think of doing the transatlantic? <laughs> People like graduated over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, so everything for me, mm -hmm. everything that I do in the way I operate is all about stepping stones. Everything is just like a stepping stone to the next thing, and then the next thing. And a lot of people, it's the same, it's the same as people like look at people that surf giant waves, and they go, oh, jeez, the guy's crazy. How do you, how do you do that? That's that's nuts. But all it is is stepping stones. stones right. He started like he didn't start surfing he started, waves. No. He started in the same waves at Carl's or mm -hmm, right. or or some little one foot wave, right. probably getting pushed in by his dad or a friend or family, like everyone else. Right. Some people just decided, like we're talking about dealing with change and, and pushing your comfort zone and fear. Some people just became happy and comfortable surfing two to three or three to four foot waves, and they stayed there. And because they didn't push past their fear and their comfort zone. They stayed in that place and they never progressed. The only difference between the, those people and the guys that, that are surfing those giant waves and people are like, ah, that's crazy, is that they kept on pushing their comfort zone right. and they kept on leaning into fear and change. Right. And that's exactly where we're at. And I did those 12 hour, 24 hour records, then I did a seven day, 350K, which is about 200 miles, 220 miles 
completely unsupported, unassisted. And I, I'd started adding the charities that I was very passionate about to be able to raise money for these charities. And that's, that's when the sort of everything started shifting for me. When, when I started being able to use what I do to positively make impact on other people's lives. And I think that's when you start unlocking something that's bigger than yourself that helps using your, what, you're, what you do, your passions for positive good and change. Right. Now people can read about people. People can read about the crossing of the Atlantic. You, you can't, we don't have enough time to go talk about the ninety-three yeah. days. But the top three things, top three things that you learned uh, on that trip, solo, unassisted, cross Atlantic, no, no one around you, no assist, no help, no nothing. What was the top three things that you that you that you learned and took away from that journey? Have a have a purpose greater than yourself. Have your guide like make sure you have in life a guiding star like have something that you're you're leaning to so anytime things get difficult and things get challenging have something that inspires you and motivates you and keeps you going through difficult and challenging times that's definitely number one then um to stay positive in, in life in anything you do and this applies to people that are that have mild depression the people that are just going through challenge and change in whatever capacity format whether it be now whether it be the pandemic, whether it be in life, we all go through difficult and challenging times, is in make sure you include um, nature, exercise, and nutrition and recovery. Those four things are absolutely essential. And I go through in detail into how that impacts on your mental state, your physical state, your immune system, your, your psychology, and how it's absolutely essential to include those into your life plan each and every day and build that into your routine and schedule right. and then also like break things down into bite-sized chunks everything that seems overwhelming and challenging if you break it down into little bite-sized chunks you can make, make it more manageable for your mind to comprehend that's scary for, for you to be right. able to to go you know what? i could do that i can mm -hmm. get through this day i can get through but if you think you're like oh my god i don't have enough money to be able how am i going to get through the pandemic i've lost my job blah, blah, blah. break it down into bite-sized chunks just break it in like i'm just going to focus on getting through the next day then I'm going to focus on getting through the next week. Then I'm going to focus on getting, but just focus on what's in front of you. And when you break it down into that, then it's doable. When you look at sometimes like that insurmountable challenge and goal that's like seems so overwhelming, paralyzes you into fear and inaction and not going forward. But you've got to keep on progressing and just stop. Like write four things down on a piece of paper. I'm going to do this today and tick them off. Right. One but but you've got to start. Right. Starting is one of the most empowering things because if you don't, you just overwhelm, you just paralyzed by fear, you don't move forward. So you're actually going backwards. So just there's an amazing thing called the power of the start, which is when you just start, you build momentum, you build a foundation to be able to build off. You can improve on that and you also you empower yourself to to know that you've you've achieved that. Right. Even if it's these little things, you're ticking them off like little goals. And you're taking your boxes. You're like, okay, I'm making progress. And then remind yourself at the end, end of that time, uh, remind yourself where you came from right. and where you are now and where you want you to go. Because sometimes then you look back and you're like, oh, I made a lot of progress today. And that's empowering itself. And it gives you more confidence to keep on moving forward. Can we talk about your dad? Yeah, sure. Yeah? Let's talk about your dad. Your dad was a, dad was a remarkable person too. was a remarkable waterman. Mm. Along with your brothers, correct? Mm -hmm. Can you talk about your dad a little bit? Yeah, sure. You want to talk about your dad? Was, your dad was going to be. Wasn't your dad going to be? Was he an Olympian or was he? No, he is. Yeah, so he is a Springbok um, water skier. Right. And he was also the first guy that um, he built the first sailing catamaran in South Africa called the Typhoon, 
and I was sailing on that with him from an age of like four years old. So, yeah, I've been sailing from a really early age and being in the ocean. I think I started water skiing on on little handcrafted little water skis that he shaped out of wood because they were too small. They weren't skis that existed. They were small enough for me learning to ski at like the age of four years old. Or right. something. So yeah, I, I very I was very in tune with the ocean from a very early age, and he taught me an immense sense of. Of respect and understanding for the ocean which which I carry through into everything that I do and, and the conservation education and sustainability side that I do in my foundation as well right so uh, this gentleman's name is Chris Brodish and uh, it's been it's always a fascinating he's always a fascinating talk but we need to remember ladies and gentlemen listening out there he's a fantastic speaker so if, if you if you need you know any motivation Check out Chris Burdish. Is there a website that you have? Yeah, chrisburdish.com and then um, my foundation is the Chris Burdish Foundation, which is also just to inspire, um, encourage confidence and self-belief in, right. in the youth through education, conservation and sustainability. So if you're stuck, you want to get started, and you don't know how to start, go back and listen to this interview and Chris will Chris in, in the nicest possible way because he's the nicest possible person you can talk to. Uh, he, he will show you. I mean, some of us, I mean, I sometimes I get stuck where you don't want to start. You go, no, 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 no I'm just going to stay right here. And so listening to him today, it, it helps me, and I, I hope it helps a lot of other people. Yeah, thanks and, very uh, much. I don't know what's, I don't know what's you. next for you, but you have a great deal of support, whether it be Hoffman <laughs> Bay or being Pacific Grove or being obviously a Springbok. Anybody knows a Springbok is a South African. And um, he's just a, just, he's just a gentleman and he's a scholar and... Uh, it's truly to be. In, it's truly uh, for me an honor to be in the same room with him, as always. Thanks, Neil. I really appreciate it. Neil's always been an amazing support of, of me and and everything that I've done in the last like twenty years. It's been. I tried to tell you not to pound across the Atlantic. That didn't do very well. Yeah, but the flights are. Getting I never forget that. I still have the thing on my phone recording. What the What the hell are you doing? No. Uh, yeah, well, the flights, you think, you know, the I, flights I, are getting too expensive. I remember when I hung up the phone. And I go, that may be the last time I ever talk to that guy. <laughs> It's truly well. I know exactly where I was. I was in Santa Cruz Wave's office at Pleasure Point going, I got on the phone with you and we, the, fo the phone call was over. Uh, that may be the last time I ever talked to that man. But no, no, no. <laughs> he did it. And, uh, no, no, I think sometimes you, sometimes you just, and I think that's a great, it's just a great key for life. I mean, sometimes you just know something. Right. You just know you can do something. No matter what anyone tells them, I think that's something that I've always believed in is like, don't listen to anyone else. If you believe something, don't don't doubt yourself. Just believe in the heart and heart start. to do it, and just start. Take daily steps and actions towards it. Believe in a like believe in yourself. Um, tackle a, a a passion which you which you have, which is is greater than yourself, and use that as motivation to be able to keep going and get through any challenge and change. And if you do that, and you stay focused and determined and resilient, you can get through anything, even what other people believe is impossible. Thank you, sir. Thank you Thanks, very Chris. much. All right. Thanks, Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate and, uh, that appreciate was the interview. There'll be another one, more shows coming up, but none more important than this one right here. So thanks, Chris, for doing it. Legend. Thanks, buddy. This is called social distancing. This is the... Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, bud. Thanks, bud. It does. It doesn't look like it, but sometimes it is. But otherwise, we can do the retake. <laughs>